Greetings in Christ Jesus and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us today. Today is Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. Hard to believe it's 2024 already. I want to uh, wish all of you a blessed and happy new year. Pray that you're able to spend time with family and that you start the year off focusing on your relationship with the Lord and all the many blessings that he has given to you. Today, I would like to begin with a brief devotional thought based on Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. This is kind of a longer section, and it picks up right after the wise men had appeared to Jesus and to Mary and Joseph as well. And I think it's always important to remind people and remember that the wise men weren't actually there on the night of Jesus' birth, even though many of the nativity scenes that we see, including the one on our altar in church right now, has the wise men there present. In reality, the wise men showed up likely uh, a year and a half, two years after Jesus' birth, Mary and Joseph had, you know, they'd gone down to Bethlehem and they had remained down there until uh, the, the time of our text here, as we will see in a moment. So they stayed down there in Bethlehem, made that their home for quite some time. The wise men come and worship Jesus, and then they're warned to go back a different way and not to return to King Herod. Uh, and we'll see why in a moment here. So we'll pick it up, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they had departed, that's the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled, it was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So quite a section there, and you know, it's kind of a little bit of an overlooked time in, in Jesus' life, <clears throat> but it wasn't overlooked by Matthew. Uh, the first thing that struck out stuck out to me as we read through this was uh, Joseph sure has a lot of dreams from God. You know, for a guy that we don't really know too much about, he was told in a dream that Mary had conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was warned to flee to Egypt, and then he was in a dream once again, he was told go back to Israel, and then in a dream again, he was told, well, don't go to Gal or don't go to Judea, rather go to Galilee to Nazareth. So he, the Lord was talking to Joseph a lot in his dreams, uh, giving him direction, but that's because Joseph had a very important job as the stepfather of Jesus, as the one who would care for God's own son. Uh, it was his job to take care of Mary and, and the baby Jesus, and he did so by listening to God and doing as God told him and in fleeing to Egypt at the appropriate time and protecting the, the Savior of the world, protecting the Messiah. 
And so too, you know, we fathers, uh, we are called to be protectors as well. Uh, we may not be in charge of the Savior of the world, but God has entrusted to us children as well to care for. And uh, let us take our role seriously as protectors and, and uh, providers for our family in uh, doing what we need to do to take care of these precious gifts that God has given to us. And the other thing that really struck out to me through this whole uh, scripture reading is the, the number of prophecies that Matthew lists. You know, Matthew was written to the Jewish people. And so uh, one very common theme, if you read through the Gospel of Matthew, is he'll say over and over again, uh, that it was be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets, and it might be fulfilled what, what the Lord said through the prophets, on and on, uh, speaking in those ways, because the Jewish people, they knew the Old Testament. And what Matthew was pointing out to them and to everybody who reads his gospel is that Jesus did not come to destroy the Old Testament. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. Um, God had again and again told about the Savior who's to come, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ who was to deliver us from sin and death. And so Matthew's making the point, look, at all these Old Testament prophecies, Jesus fulfills them all. And so there's three three times here in these brief little section in this events of the uh, the boy child Jesus, um, uh, three different prophecies that were fulfilled through the work of his father Joseph and Mary as they were protecting uh, the, the little boy Jesus. So first of all, it's in verse 15. Uh, we're told that uh, Mary and Joseph went down to Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. And that's an interesting one. It's from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Out of Egypt I called my son. And it might e you might easily think, well, uh, think back in time to the history of the children of Israel when they were enslaved down there in Egypt and when God called them out uh, through the ten plagues and through uh, the leadership under Moses and Aaron and eventually the crossing of the Red Sea before they returned, before they went back to the land of Canaan that God had promised to the their forefather Abraham so many years before. And so, you know, it's easy to think of a lot of Egypt God called his people, but here we see a singular. So out of Egypt I called my son. And Hosea was prophesying that it wasn't just, it wasn't just the children of Israel that God called out of Egypt, it was Jesus himself. And so when Her Mary and Joseph went down to Egypt and then came back out again, this was in fulfillment of the prophecy that Hosea makes for us, that God uh, was going to bring his son out of Egypt. And it's really interesting, you know, what are the odds that this, all these things happen to any one person. You know, that one person who was born in Bethlehem, who went down to Egypt, who later came back, who went went to Nazarene, uh, Nazareth, um, that all this all happened uh, astronomical, obviously. And that brings us to our next prophecy that was fulfilled in verses 17 and 18. talks about the fulfillment of the prophecy by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And so that's from Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15, a prophecy of this awful, awful uh, event that took place when Herod, who was threatened by this new king of Israel, uh, was threatened, uh, uh, put to death all those children who were two years old and under. And that's why we that's why we believe that the wise men, of course, weren't there on the actual first day of Jesus' birth, um, but because he figured out uh, by speaking to the wise men about what age this uh, boy king would be, that he decided, well, everybody, all these children two years old and under, well, all the males two years old and under will be put to death. And uh, so the wise men would have come right, likely, you know, around Jesus being 18 to 18 months to two years or so. And then Herod would uh, made that calculation and put all these little children to death, which is just a, a horrendous event, of course. And it's just something very, very terrible and you know you think how vain Herod must have been that 
he was so threatened by this boy king, this, this promised Messiah, Messiah, this Christ, that uh, he needed to put to death all these little babies. Just a terrible, a terrible event. But again, fulfillment of a prophecy of God who warned that this thing was going to happen through the prophet Jeremiah. So then after Herod dies and they spend some time in Egypt down there, um, again, Jesus, Joseph is told in a dream that they can come back to the land of Israel. Um, the one who is trying to kill Jesus is, is no more. He is dead. So they come back, but they hear that Herod's son is still uh, reigning in, in Judea there. So uh, once again, God tells Joseph in a dream uh, to go up to Galilee, which is in the north, which, uh, you know, if you were going to uh, be the next king of Israel, well, most of the uh, Jew, the Jewish uh, ceremonies and the Jewish leadership was all down south in Jerusalem. Uh, up north in Galilee was much more, uh, much less uh, formally Jewish than the southern area of Jerusalem and Judea and so forth. Uh, but this was all part of God's prof- plan as well, where it says in verse 23, he dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. And this is the most interesting of all these prophecies because there's actually nowhere in the Old Testament that says directly, he shall be called a Nazarene. Um, and so this is, of course, caused many Bible critics to say, well, this is clearly a, a, an error in the Bible. It's a mistake. Well, there's some very good, very good um, options here to understand what exactly Matthew means by this. First of all, the word for Nazarene is very, cl- is, uh, very close to the word for in Hebrew for branch, which is ne- it's like nester, basically. Um, and so, you know, in the Old Testament, quite often in Jeremiah and Isaiah, Jesus is called the branch of righteousness or the shoot of the stem of Jesse. So uh, very often in the Old Testament, the Messiahs were referred to as a branch, uh, as someone who would grow out of, uh, grow out of the shoot of the children of Israel, out of that, that dead stump. Um, but that, then that's one option. So perhaps that's what Matthew meant. And the other option is, you know, this general uh, view of the coming Messiah as one who would be despised and rejected by men. Uh, you can think of Psalm 22, uh, which speaks to how the, the, how Jesus would be despised by people. Isaiah 53, that he was rejected by, um, by mankind. And this was the same way that many Jews looked at the northern area of Galilee. Remember Nathaniel, when Philip told Nathaniel about uh, how the Savior, how the Messiah had come and he was revealed now. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So there's this kind of idea of that this northern area as uh, looked down upon, as despised or rejected. So saying he will be called a Nazarene is kind of like saying he will be despised and mocked by his own people, which certainly is uh, spoken of by the prophets. So those are both very good options, whether it be the branch idea or the despise and mocked idea. What we do know is that, of course, the scripture doesn't make the scriptures do not disagree with one another. Holy Scripture is not in error. This is not a misquote or anything like that. Uh, and this was something that Matthew, as he wrote it down, uh, knew that his listeners, his uh, readers of his gospel would understand. And even if we fail to understand exactly for sure what it means today, we can be confident that this is part of God's word for us and that it was recorded and understood by the original readers certainly as well. So all this, I think, just summarizes so well this, you know, these brief time uh, after Jesus' life and how it all, early on in Jesus' life and how everything was working together according to God's plan. You know, all these prophecies were exactly as God intended. Um, They were all fulfilled according to his will. And as I mentioned earlier, the odds that this all happened exactly the way it was supposed to to anyone else 
besides Jesus, of course, is is impossible. It's the odds are astronomical, and so it's just it's amazing to see how God fulfilled and worked through all these prophecies, and how God used His servants, men like Joseph, women like Mary, in order to protect His child Jesus, um, so that He could go on and fulfill His purpose, which is, of course, to be the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming into this world and entrusting yourself, your life, to Mary and Joseph and, and the leaders, the uh, both religious and political at that time. Uh, Lord, that took a lot of trust for you to put uh, all these things into their hands and also into our, your Heavenly Father's hands, trusting that he would do what was right and good for you. We pray that you would continue to look down upon us in love and mercy, uh, see us as the, the sinners we are, but also remind us of your great love for us, which makes us now saints in the, your heavenly Father's eyes. Thank you for fulfilling all these prophecies, for being our Savior from sin, and rescuing redeemer, redeeming us for eternal life in heaven. Bless us in your saving name. Amen. All right, a couple of weekly updates and reminders for you. Um, as our pastoral call is still out at this time to Pastor Aaron Udy. I was able to speak to Pastor Udy last week, and uh, we pray the Lord would continue to bless him as he seeks for clarity as to the Lord's will for him and for his congregation out there in Rapid City and for us as well. Uh, I want to remind everybody uh, to get on the Family Devotion Program for 2024. Uh, The devotional books are here. They have arrived, so please uh, grab one in the entryway and uh, uh, read along with us this year. We're in the first couple lessons this year, and the lessons are all kind of have the same theme right now, which is the same. uh, It's a new year, but the same grace, the same power, the same love that continues to sustain us. Um, So I hope you can use this devotion book to grow together as a family in God's Word in the coming year. Um, I want to let everybody know kind of the deacon's plan uh, during the vacancy here at Emmanuel. Um, So the plan right now is there's four Sundays a month uh, usually, and the plan is during this vacancy to have one guest pastor a month. Um, So I've reached out to a number of area retired pastors and other pastors nearby and and clergy trained individuals who will be able to help us out. Uh, So next weekend, the 13th and 14th, uh, retired pastor Dave Schierenbeck from the cities is planning to come down and preach for us next weekend. Uh, so thank the Lord for opportunities like that. Uh, so we'll have one guest pastor a month, and then also the deacons would like to do one lay service a month. Uh, so one of our uh, leaders of our congregation, someone uh, from the, the church council or leadership here, will be uh, leading a service once a month as well. And so that will leave me then to do the other two services or, or uh, three services, depending on if there's four or five Sundays in a month. Uh, coming up here in January is the annual voters meeting. Uh, that'll be January 22nd, uh, Monday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, if you are a part of a committee or if you lead a committee, please make sure you get uh, your annual reports into Hillary Lean as soon as possible. Uh, she will compile those uh, reports uh, for us for that voters meeting January 22nd. So please plan on that. Then coming up then that following weekend is the Whitewater Youth Trip. Uh, so once again, uh, we'll be sending a, a busload of kids down to the Whitewater Youth, uh, Whitewater State Park. Um, so please uh, get signed up for that if you have not yet done so. Which brings us to our prayer list for today, which includes Pastor John Hine, Marlene Hanel, Kate Zowers, uh, Mr. Jim Leon, and also we pray for Susan Mutsky, who was hospitalized this past weekend after a broken ankle. Our hymn of the day today is not found in either of our hymnals that we use in church, but so it's kind of a deep pull, but I think it is appropriate because it speaks to the work of Joseph in protecting the Christ child. So this is uh, hymn 552 in the Christian worship. By all your saints still striving, for all your saints at rest, your holy name, O Jesus, forevermore be blessed. 
You rose our king victorious that they might wear the crown, and ever since in splendor reflected from your throne. All praise, O God, for Joseph, the guardian of your son, who saved him from King Herod when safety there was none. He taught the trade of builder when they to Nazareth came, and Joseph's love as father blessed God the Father's name. Let us then praise the Father, and worship God the Son, and sing to God the Spirit, eternal three in one, till all the ransomed number who stand before the throne ascribe all power and glory, and praise to God alone. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Once again, Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota. For more information about the ongoing activity here, we'd invite you to check out our website, emmanuelmankato.org. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.